Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 30th of January. Today I am joined by Duncan Balkan, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Duncan. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. All good. Um, and by the way, that is down to um, to the fact that I am being incredibly strict with uh, having seven hours sleep a night. Um, I, See, now, people I, that have followed you for a while might be surprised by that because know, you've done these day-in-the-life type videos before. Yeah. And anyone that watches those, it's, it's fairly obvious. It, there's no physical way you could have been getting more than four or five hours a night yeah. before. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I used to think you can sleep when you're dead, but actually, um, it's 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 not necessarily the case. I mean, you can, um, but I think that um, what I found um, is that um, by doing this now, um, this has absolutely transformed my wet powers of of um, concentration. So, um, obviously, doing what I do, I have to concentrate a lot for a very long period of time, uh, and I found that I was okay in the morning. Um, it used to do, you know, all obviously um, Watson's daily stuff and what, whatnot in the morning. But then I found in the afternoon when I, I was coming back to it, it was just I'd be reading the same thing over and over um, and I just wasn't getting anywhere. So um, so this is transformational It's because I can actually come back now and, you know, function in the afternoon as well. So it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, let's, let's, let's not talk about, sorry, it's me talking about me. But uh, so what, what, um, what story would you like to talk about from today's Watson's Daily? Yeah, so I picked a story from the FT yep. um, about a betting group Flutter proposing moving their listing to yep. the UK, New York. Okay. Um, so for anyone that's not familiar with Flutter, Flutter Entertainment, um, used to be called Paddy Power Betfair, mm-hmm. PLC, which is what people will probably better know them as. Mm-hmm. There's two brands I think most British people have heard of. Um, so, yeah, it's a sports betting and gambling company currently listed in London mm-hmm. um, and a constitution of the FTSE 100. Owns Betfair, FanDuel, Paddy Power, PokerStars, Sky Betting and Sports Bet, amongst other kind of things it's got, it's, uh, pies it has its fingers in. Yeah. So, like I said, yeah, this story is about them moving or the potential of them moving that listing yeah. from, from the UK to, to uh, New York. Mm-hmm which I think on the face of it will have a lot of people doing that whole panic thing again about, oh, my word, another big company leaving London as they have their listing base. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there is that kind of temptation to do that because there are a lot of big companies at the moment moving away from London mm. uh, in terms of where, where they're listed. Um, now, they have said they may keep a secondary listing in London, um, but that will obviously disqualify them from the FTSE 100 anyway because... To be in the FTSE 100, it has to be a primary listing location. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a big company leaving the FTSE 100 and maybe leaving London altogether as a listing. <clears throat> so it's not the first company we've seen doing this. We've seen other kind of big companies in mining, building materials, some travel companies doing it mm-hmm. as well. And so that has become, I think, that tendency to get a bit panicky about all these companies leaving. Yeah. Um, the reason I find this interesting is because actually, if you look at it on a different level and just go, well, it's a gambling company. Mm. This totally makes sense. So, um, obviously, doing business over here for gambling companies has been a bit of a struggle. And to be honest with you, gambling in the UK has been dying since um, the ban on um, FOBTs, fixed odds betting terminals, came in a few mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and conversely, in the States, the prospects have gone up 
um, because they've legalised sports sports gambling. Mm. And I think that is an area where probably a lot of the growth potential in gambling is, is within the cost of the sports betting markets. So actually the fact that that's been tanked over here by removing those FOBTs, but now legalised in the States, mm. I think that may, totally makes sense as to why a betting company, particularly one like, like Flutter, who has multiple businesses mm. that deal within sports betting specifically, yeah. I think this really makes sense. One of those businesses I mentioned earlier, by the way, FanDuel, mm. um, has a uh, 43% gross revenue share of the sports betting market mm. in the States. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive revenue share. Yeah, yeah. So it totally makes sense yeah. to kind of follow that and follow the money. But like I said, if you looked at this very two-dimensionally, I, you could totally see why people would panic and go, oh my word, another big company leaving London. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is what I found really interesting in today's Watson Daily. What's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, so um, as you rightly said there, um, a lot of people will be, think, will be looking at this uh, and thinking, oh, another, you know, another great company bites the dust or takes takes the do- you know, takes the dollar or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, the fact of the matter is companies change um and you know in in uh, sometimes it's it's via acquisition uh which i think is what happened with ferguson i think it was uh plumbing supply but um you know sometimes it happens by acquisition um sometimes it happens organically and um so i think that gambling has has, has seen a major crackdown in the uk um you know because of the addictive qualities of it um and you know FOBTs were the the main target actually, and FOBTs were incredibly profitable for um, gambling companies. Now, um, I think the other thing to remember as well is that I'd say betting in the UK was relatively mature. So you know, every I was I don't know there were a lot of companies doing it. Um, doing kind of the same thing, which usually means that margins are smaller and all that sort of thing. Whilst at the same time, you got um, the legalization of sports betting in America. And this is, by the way, this is not across the whole of America. It is on a state by state basis. But, you know, once one starts, then another one and another one. And the, and the um, you know, the, the, uh, the momentum continues. So with that in mind, what do you do? Do you do you stay and you know throw money at, at the UK market where your cash cow FOBTs are being flushed down the toilet um, and your betting shops are closing down um, and everything else is being clamped down on by by the regulators, or do you decide to put more money into the growth market of America? You, where you can use your um, expertise in online gambling and things and make a lot of money. I mm. mean, it, it's a no-brainer from from my perspective. And and um, I mean, what's the point in having a, a you know a, a FTSE one hundred listing if in fact most of your revenues come from the US? So again, you know, I think this is this is a specific case. Um, I think what is more concerning is is probably, and this is what most people are thinking about, I guess, is is companies deciding, do we list in London or do we list in, I don't know, Frankfurt or, or New York? 
And that's more, that to me is more worrying because, um, because that means that you don't get this sort of stream of fresh companies injecting new life into, into the, you know, into the market. And Mm. I mean, arm again, arm's a bit of a funny one because arm, you know, arm used to be listed in the UK, right. Until relatively recently, you know, when, uh, until, you know, SoftBank um, uh, bought them, uh, when, I think 2016 or something. Um, and I, I, I could see, I could see why SoftBank would, pref- well, one, presumably SoftBank wanted to stick it to the UK government, I, I imagine. <laughs> and then the other thing was that actually as a tech company, you're probably going to get a higher, va- attract a higher valuation at IPO from, american investors than you are from uk or european investors because you'd imagine so wouldn't you yeah because i think that american investors um i mean they're not it's not like they're mugs um it's it's just the fact that i think that they they are more willing to take on more risk um Mm. and you know especially in in tech because clearly you know they've had some very big risks uh, risky companies that have done incredibly well. So they've seen that and they, you know, they want to see, they want to, they want the next, you know, massive, they want to invest in the next meta, the next Google, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. Cause those companies realistically are really quite young, you know, um, in, in the scheme of things. Mm. So, so I think that's more concerning, not just companies that, are, you know, their business is changing. So they leave. That's just fair enough. That's just the, you know the circle of life without wanting to um burst into song there um but the <laughs> the, the um um but yeah the, the 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 fact that you've got companies that think are we going to list in london or somewhere else more of them especially tech companies are listing somewhere else but then again you know i mean there've been loads of rubbish companies i mean i would say spacs are, are a real you know good example of this is there's there's you know a, a examples of a number of companies who've listed via the SPAC um, route uh, and listed on the New York Stock Exchange and basically yeah. looked at the UK and said, "Ha ha, you're all you know, you're all losers. Look at us, we're we're over here." And then you know, six months, twelve months later, stock price has gone nine, gone down ninety percent or something, and and then close stuff down i mean arrival is an example i think kazoo potentially an example i mean you know it it's 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 tricky it is a tricky thing and it seems to happen more in the u.s because they tend to take on a bit more risk than than managers do over here perhaps hmm. but um, but yeah yeah interesting like i said that that tendency to not list in the uk or even like not that long ago, it wouldn't even been a question, would it? No. Be, yeah, list in the UK, and like I said, now people are thinking, well, do we list there, or do we list in New York or Frankfurt or mm. any of other places? Is is it's not a great place for for the UK to be in in terms of trying, like I said, trying to attract new companies, particularly tech companies, mm. which are probably some of the the biggest and quickest developing companies around mm. at the moment. So, yeah, they yeah, definitely want definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on there. I think if if that pattern continues. Um, so yeah, that, that was what I found most interesting in this morning. Watson's Daily. Yeah. What was your favourite story, Peter? So I thought I would talk about nosy employers, right? So oh, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, so initially, you know, there was a there was an interesting story about um, EY. Um, so you know, the big four accountancy firm hmm. um, tracking, you know, using data that tracks staff and how often they come into the office. Yeah. And um, and then there was another sort of accompanying article which basically went talked about how companies are increasingly using data to force workers to go back to the office. Now, <clears throat> obviously, there's a lot of people up in arms about this and saying, oh, this is terrible. This is, you know, workers' rights and all that. Now, you know, I can see both sides here because I do think genuinely as an employer, it is only human to think if you're employing, especially if you're, I think in a smaller company, it's particularly um, acute. I mean, something like a giant like EY, you kind of think, well, honestly, really? I mean, it's such a massive company. Um, is it really going to make that much difference? But I can see from if you're a small, mid-sized company and you're the boss and you've built it all up, you know, I can really understand why you would want to see people turning up because you're paying them money and you just want to feel that you don't have to look over their shoulder every five minutes. You want to feel like people are doing stuff yeah. and you can only really get a feeling for that when they're there. You can tell like, you know, there's a buzz in the office. There's people milling around, you know, they're not all just sat drinking coffee or whatever, you know, they're talking about things and you know, this is, this is a good thing. But you can't do that. You can't do that if everyone's working from home. And so I think that, um, you know, we, this is a kind of, this is obviously a hangover from, um, you know, from, 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 from COVID, um, where suddenly everyone had to work from home. And, you know, I, I, I think I said in, in, uh, in, in Watson's Daily today about how, you know, I did used to think from time to time under, under lockdown, I thought, wow, you know, isn't it, isn't it a good? I mean, it's, you, you never want something like this to happen, but I thought, isn't it good that it happened now and not 10 or 15 years ago? <laughs> because then you wouldn't have had Zoom. You wouldn't have had, I mean, there were video conferencing things, but they tended to be very corporate and blooming expensive. You know, I was just saying, that, yeah, as you say that, trying to imagine, because obviously we rely quite heavily on these sort of technologies. Oh, yeah. Podcasts. Yeah. And trying to do something similar like this in the early days of Skype. No. for example, no. would have been nightmarish. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, <laughs> it would have been awful. It would not have been workable. And a lot of people would not have had the internet speak <laughs> to actually do something like this. Because, you know, I remember when I was working at brokerage in, in um, you know, uh, the, the financial, you know, the financial crash, when there was a financial crash. But I didn't cause it, by the way, just just so people know that. Um, <laughs> the, the, you know, but I do remember they, they said, okay, bring in your laptops. Like, I didn't have a company laptop. I just had my own laptop. But it was quite a fast one. And they, they said, oh, we're going to install this software so that you can actually get onto the network when you're at home. So if there's a, if there's a rail strike, if, if there's a, you know, like a terrorist attack or something, you can work from home. Now, you know, I did do that a, a couple of times, but it really wasn't ideal. So anyway, fast forward um, to, you know, the COVID. Um, suddenly everyone had to get laptops first, first of all, because not everyone had their own laptops. So to get that, they then, and then the bosses were thinking, well, you know, how do we stop people from just 
I don't know, surfing on surfing on Amazon all day or, or booking out. Oh, actually, I was going to say booking their holidays. Of course, you can do that. Um, <laughs> but under, that's uh, a concern, though, isn't it? There is a concern that if you give yeah. people flexibility, like you give them an inch, they take a mile. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, your productivity is down through the floor. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, they, they, they thought, OK, well, let's put the software on. Um, and the problem, the thing is, I guess, once lockdown finished, they just left the software on there. Uh, and so now what they're doing is what I said that they would do all along, which is they will use that data against you if there is a reason to do so. Mm. And what are you going to do? I mean, if, if let's say you've got 10 employees and two, there's two of them, you think, and, and, and actually let's say your, your company's not doing particularly well. So, you know, I don't know. And, uh, you know, the, the finance chief says, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to, you know, cut, can't term two people from the team um or you know, three people from the team and one of them you know one of them is you know you think yeah definitely and then there's the other there's there's a few and you think well if there's if there's two people who are equal in every other respect you are then going to go to anything that is measurable data data points that are measurable hmm. that you can say whether one person is better than the other and something like attendance is easy because you can use this swipe card stuff. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I've always been, well, I say not always. I, when I, from when I worked in the city, um, I was very much, I assumed that everyone was go. I had the assumption that everyone was going to see everything that I ever mm. did. All the surfing, all the all the notes, all the because all my all my um, phone calls were recorded for compliance purposes. Um, so everything I did was recorded. So I but just that's got, that has got to be the healthier assumption if you're using a device yeah. that's owned by the company, surely. Yeah. Any yeah. device, whether it's a phone, tablet, laptop, the lot. Yeah. I, I have. I mean, I have a phone and a la- and a tablet for work. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't dream of doing anything on there that I wouldn't yeah. be happy with my boss seeing. Yeah, I mean, I I did tell you before this. I, I'm not going to go into the <clears throat> details of this, but it was quite an amusing story when I was working mm-hmm. in the city. Um, one one I was told once. So someone had um, gone with a company laptop to you know on, on a on some sort of work thing related thing, and had taken. Um, it, it turns out had taken some. Uh, creative home videos um and um you know of 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 you know with, with with his with his partner and was watching them um on these business trips and um he then came back and um went to the it department and said look i'm really sorry but my computer's on the on the blink can you can you have a look at it and this is where the, the it guy found um said material and you know this is this is a prime example of why you really 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 must keep a you know separation between you know stuff that you 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 do in your personal life from um you know from work stuff because it can you know it it, it can it can go badly uh it's so, not a good look is it like you say your work device fails and you have to have it checked out by the in-house technicians yes. it's not a good look if there's something on there that shouldn't be on there correct correct so <laughs> so so anyway yeah so that's that's a lesson learned but yeah just always assume that you know someone's going to be looking so if you're 
if you're tempted to go on that uh, that site that you think, oh, I'm not sure if HR would quite like this, then don't do it. Is the is is the is the lesson here? But I think you know ultimately um, there's going to be more. I think there's going to be more you know law um, uh, kind of lawsuits and things like that because there will be employers that push it too much um and courts may have to may come in to decide how far that line goes um and so so yes i mean i do think there is there is that potential um but yeah um so yeah did you do you have any thoughts or personal experiences to (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm not not, not sure i can add add much that was already quite an entertaining story wasn't it (laughs) but no i think you're right i think obviously the way this has been reported makes it look horrendous how how dare they spy on their workers but actually isn't it kind of to be expected you're you're doing the same job you would normally do in Mm. office at home there's got to be some degree of them being able to keep track of what you're doing Mm. particularly if like targets aren't being met i would imagine if you're smashing your targets out the park they won't even consider looking at what you're doing no you're clearly being productive. Yeah. But if you start falling behind, I can totally see why this would be something employers would want to mm. do. And like I said, much as it's been it's been reported in quite a an outlandish like way, I I I I don't see this being anything other than I've expected. The longer mm. working from home continues, mm. I mean, hopefully, <clears throat> I mean, I I am a big fan of working from home. Um, not ne- not because I I basically do it, but because I think that it just means that people can be freer with what they do. Mm. And, you know, you could do things like, you know, if you have a family, you can take your kids to school. You can, mm. you know, go to the school, the nativity play. You can do this because you can be flexible. And that's, mm. that, I think, is fantastic. Um, but on the other side, you know, obviously there are some people that take advantage of that. And because there are those people, they potentially make it more difficult for employers to trust everyone else which is why they then have all this tracking software and stuff so Mm. um but i think i'm sure that the courts will be called in to clarify um you know where where the line is and where the um uh you know the employers should not cross i mean i one thing uh, one last thing i you know i would say is that um i once when I was working as a headhunter, um, I went to visit because I was take, I was um, employing like CEOs and and things like that, and uh, and I went to this one place and uh, which will re- remain nameless, but um, <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. They had the um, swipe cards on the toilets, as in not on the, each cubicle, but you know, like to get to the toilet block, you had to swipe the cards, and yeah. they would they would you know you'd be monitored uh if you were in there too long you know that someone a manager would say it it would flag up with the manager and i think that's an absolutely terrible thing i mean i i know that this i've heard that obviously this sort of thing has happened in um say manufacturing where you're on production line and things can't stop you know i think i've i've heard about this with you know sort of big log- logistics companies and and things um where you are only given a certain amount of time for comfort breaks as it were um but this was not one of those this was a well i can't say what it was but basically it was very much a a white collar job and yet they felt the need to do that and i think that's pretty terrible so um i I would draw the line on that for instance but um but anyway yeah there you go yeah that that's not 
that's not okay, is it? Surely that, no. yeah. Those, like, if they tell you during a job interview they're going to do that sort of thing, run a mile. Yes, that's not yeah. okay. I mean, I'm I'm sure they're not they're not going to boast about that in a job interview. And and I would also say that actually, if you were gonna if you were in a job interview and you thought about asking the question, do you? How do you? You know, how do you um, monitor productivity or something like that? Then. I wouldn't answer. I wouldn't ask that question um, because that would suggest that you you might have some vested interest in 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 this, uh, and therefore, yeah. So, but it, it it might be interesting to know what the what the policy is if you mm. can somehow wheedle it out of someone that's not your boss. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, on that positive note um, about mm. the workplace, um, I think we'll leave it there. But um, but thank you very much indeed for your time. And, um, of course, we shall be back again tomorrow. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Peter. Many thanks. Bye.